Uh, man, it's good to be with you guys this morning. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, and it's uh, been a, a wild ride here. Uh, just lots going on with lots of, of families in our church and uh, just people uh, going through stuff, some of it good stuff, some of it hard stuff. And uh, uh, just uh, I want you to know that uh, if you are going through something, please please don't try to go through it alone. Please reach out. Let us know what's going on. Let us pray with you at least. And uh, if we can help in some way, we'd love to do that too. Um, be glad to do so. Um, we uh, uh, just so everybody is clear, because I've had a couple people be like, "Yeah, the, the new sound system sounds sounds. I think it sounds pretty good." And I'm like, "Well, we're still using the old one, so uh, just wait." Okay, it's 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 installed, but uh, I think there's some electrical things that have to be done before it can be turned on and dialed in. So it's getting there. We're really close. We're really close. So. Uh, anyway, we uh, appreciate everybody that's been helping work on that, especially Nathan. He's put a lot of time in on that. Uh, well, let's uh, let's jump in uh, to uh, this new series uh, on the book of Ruth. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. Uh, if you don't have a, a Bible, our ushers have Bibles. They'll be glad to bring you one. If you don't own one uh, or you lost it or you left it at Vacation Bible School 30 years ago or whatever it was that happened to it, uh, it's okay. Just take, just take one of these. We would love for you to have it. Uh, and uh, consider it consider it a gift, and uh, just uh, take her home with you. So, uh, but uh, today we're going to the Book of Ruth, which is in the Old Testament. Uh, you'll find it after the Judges, uh, and uh, yeah, we're uh, we're entering into. Uh, I'm looking forward to this to this study, uh, and uh, and getting back to just teaching expository. I'd, I'd rather teach expository than pretty much any other. Uh, way of teaching, you know, it's it's funny because when we first started the church, like everything, almost everything was topical. Not everything was topical. We did do some expository even then, but uh, a lot of it was, you know, very topical centered, you know, how to, you know, whatever, uh, all these things. I'm not even going to make fun of them because whatever, uh, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, and, and there's a place for that stuff too. I really do believe that. Uh, you know, I think there's something too, you know, like what's the, what scripture say about this and let's study through that together. We can do that. Uh, but the thing about teaching expository and, and studying expository, uh, and just walking, what that means is walking through, walking through scripture. So, you know, verse by verse kind of thing. Uh, you know, when we're able to do that, <clears throat> I think we find that the Lord has things to say to us that we're not often looking for. It, it's easy for us to treat God like an ATM, you know what I'm saying, and just kind of be like, well, uh, you know, I want, you know, I want to know this, this, and this, and what Scripture says about those things. But then, when we teach expository, when we study expository, uh, you know, we pick up pieces of other things that we weren't expecting along the way, and even, and even this, you know, I think uh, it's easy to go, oh, okay, well, let's study about. A woman, you know, or whatever. What what is the deal? You know, well, yeah, that that's a that's a piece of it. There's a lot to uh, the book of Ruth, and so uh, you know, I think this is. Uh, first of all, I, I do love the fact um, that we're we are studying uh, through this passage, this book, which is uh, technically about a woman. It's about actually about a couple of ladies. Uh, and then another person that's also involved that we'll get to later on uh, in the study. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, I, I, love, I love seeing the perspective. The perspective is told with getting to see the lady's perspective, uh, which you didn't often get a lot of times in writing, especially back then. Uh, and so uh, I love it. I love getting to see God work through it. Uh, some of it's very tough. Uh, what we're studying on today is a little tough, to be honest with you. We're, we're studying some tough stuff today. Uh, 
because they're going through some tough stuff together. Um, and in fact, let me let me kind of back us up here a little bit uh, to kind of to kind of give a little historical background to Ruth. Ruth, uh, you'll see you'll see Ruth appear into a picture here uh, as she is she meets someone, marries someone into a family uh, that technically are runaways. Um, I was funny because I was talking to, I forget who I was talking to about this week, but uh, I got into this conversation with two or three people about uh, about uh, being runaways when we were kids. And they were like, yeah, I'll never forget, you know, I used to run away, you know, across the street to my, you know, my aunt's house or, you know, whatever, you know, and I'd tell my parents I'm packing up and I'm leaving and I'd pack my bag and, and then they'd watch me just walk across the street to her house or something, you know, kind of deal. And, uh, and then someone else chimed in with their runaway story. Yeah, I remember one time I ran away and I made it like, you know, half a mile down the road. And I was like, man, it's hot. I'm going home, you know, kind of thing. Uh, you know, all these, you know, different stories. And, they, and I was like, you know, I don't. I don't really ever remember like really like trying to run away. Uh, you know, I was like, I just think I realized how good I had it. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. Uh, and so, uh, but anyway, um, you know, the runaways that we're seeing in the, in the passage today are, are really kind of led uh, by the father figure uh, who would have been the spiritual leader of his home and would have been making decisions like, hey, we're going to move. And that's exactly what he did. And he did so during a, a pretty tough time historically. Uh, and in fact, if you go back, let's go far back uh, behind this to set this whole thing up, God had warned his people who remind be reminded, these are God's chosen people, you know, who were going to go to the land of milk and honey and all these things, and it's going to be great and good. And, you know, but then there was a warning thrown in there. We're talking Deuteronomy here. Uh, there's a warning thrown in there where God's like, you know, but, you know, if you don't abide by, you know, you know what I'm, you know, asking you to do and you don't seek me and you, you know, turn, turn your back on me or whatever, well, then, you know, there'll be things that'll happen. One of those things in the list of things is famine, okay? So famine, not something that we're very familiar about, I don't think, for the most of us. Most of us are eating okay, uh, you know, and some of that is thanks due to the local Mexican restaurants that he was talking about earlier. Uh, But um, since those are really mostly the only restaurants that we have most of the time anywhere. Uh, But uh, anyway, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's hard for us to imagine... But imagine for your family that you can't get food, that literally you just can't get food. You just can't, you can't, you can't just go to a store, you can't just go out in the field, it's not there. And so in this moment, kind of what happens, uh, and I use the term runaway today uh, with these folks loosely, because we don't know a ton about what you know, was really going through their minds when they made the decision to do this or when, when he made the decision to do this. Uh, but either way, we know that, you know, they were basically running, going somewhere else, looking for somewhere to live where they could also have food. And so the, the, the tricky part of this is this, is the whole point in the moments like God allowing the famine to happen, and he talks about this in his word, were to bring them back to him. So, you know, in essence, you know, turn back to me, you know, seek me kind of thing. What did they do? They're doing the opposite of that. They're running away. Uh, The book of Ruth, 
The book of Ruth, I think this is worth mentioning as, as we kind of set this thing up, um, uses the word redeem or redemption 23 times. Now, by the way, the book of Ruth is only four chapters, okay? So this is, this is going to be a fairly short series. Um, but uh, uses the word redeem or redemption 23 times. Uh, the tie-ins as, as part of the story of God and the whole of Scripture are all over the place. And, and we'll see that as we're walking through this. And in fact, worth mentioning right now, because a lot of people have never heard it, heard scripture taught this way or whatever, I think it's important for us to understand, is that we, we look at scripture as an overall, the story of God, okay? So like Genesis to Revelation, we have the story of God. And, and so when we're looking at that, we've got all, you know, we got this Old Testament stuff here, we got the New Testament stuff here, and then smack dab in the middle of it, we got Jesus, right? We got the Gospels, we have the four stories of Christ, and then the, and then the church thereafter and all these things. And so if you're, looking, if you're looking at Scripture that way, what I see and how I see it is that the Old Testament is all pointing toward Jesus, and the New Testament is all pointing back to Jesus, okay? And so as a whole, we have the story of God. And, you know, I, somebody asked me recently, they said, you know, I've been thinking about reading Scripture with my kids at night. What should I do? What book should I start with? And I said, go get a Jesus Storybook Bible. If you've never owned a Jesus Storybook Bible, we have them uh, in our resources. Uh, we just, you know, we're not making money on them, whatever, just trying to make, make stuff like that available. And, and even if you don't have kids, you should own a Jesus Storybook Bible because that lady does an incredible job of taking the scriptures, retelling the stories, and helping us to see how those things point to Jesus. This is, to me, one of the biggest keys to unlocking scripture for people to be able to study it. Because I think for so many people to go, oh, well, we're going to study some Old Testament thing. Oh, I'm out. You know, I, I just want to hear about Jesus. We're going to hear about Jesus, okay? This thing's going to point us to Jesus before it's over with. I promise you. Just hang in there with us. Uh, in fact, let's go ahead and jump into this. We're going we're gonna to do Ruth chapter 1, the first five verses. And when we get done with these five verses, you're going to be like, we're actually studying this today? This is, this is that we're not going further than this today? No, we're not. Uh, so just hang in here with me. I promise it'll be good uh, and hopefully encouraging. But we got to get through some tough, some tough and some tragedy and stuff before we get there. Ruth 1, verse 1, it says this. It says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons, the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of the wife, Naomi, and the names of the two sons was Malon and Chilion. They were, uh, you were, gosh, I had this yesterday. You hear me say that a lot, right? I know. Um, Arathophytes. No, Arathophytes. Arathophytes. They're those guys from Bethlehem and Judah. Okay? At least I don't get graded on the pronunciation of all the names, right? And I really try. I promise. I really try. Um, you know, if you have an ESV study Bible, by the way, and you have the online thing, which you should own one of those too. We also saw that you get the online thing for free. I study nonstop from the online thing on my computer. Currently, if you click play and it reads it to you, it's Kristen Getty who's reading it to you. And she's from Scotland. 
you know, it's just like, you know, and she's like, oh, and in the day, you know, it's like listening to Lord of the Rings or something. I don't know. Um, it's cool, though. Anyway, I know that was probably my wife's down here like, what? What? Because she's a Lord of the Rings. Is, whatever. All right. So <laughs> they were from Bethlehem in Judah, it says. And it says they went into the country of Moab and remained there. Okay, so let me read that again. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. So they're from Bethlehem. They're part of God's chosen people. They have now left, right? Uh, because we've got the famine in the land, verse 1. Uh, and it goes on, it says, But Elimelech, the, the husband of Naomi, died. And she was left with her two sons. So you're like, uh, right off the bat, you're like, Wait a minute, you just introduced a family, and now you're already telling us that the father died. Yes, you are correct. And then verse 4, it goes on, it says, uh, you know, it, it, I'm sorry, verse, part of verse 3, but Elimelech, the, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. They lived there about 10 years, and both Malon and Chilion died so that the women, the woman, was left with her two sons uh, and her husband, was what left without her two sons and her husband. So now basically we have covered, uh, we've got a family of four, okay, two boys, mom and dad. They have moved because of the famine, right? And they have gone now to Moab where while they've gotten there, the two boys have now met Moab ladies, Moabite ladies, and have married them, okay? And then, now, we've lost the dad, and we've lost both sons. So now we have three ladies, is what we've got. We've got Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth. And they're all widows. All three of them are widows. How crazy is that? So, I think worth stopping and looking at is to see the backstory of understanding how they got here. Now, I told just a little bit uh, earlier about the whole like Deuteronomy set up and God, you know, said, you know, it's going to be a famine, you know, if you turn your back on me kind of thing. And again, that was to get them to turn, you know, toward the Lord when they turn away from the Lord kind of thing. Uh, you know, and it's amazing. It's amazing. We do this, right? We do this in suffering sometimes is, you know, when we're going through these moments that we turn, we'll turn everywhere sometimes, but to the Lord, won't we? Like we'll phone every friend. We'll look for every answer. We'll watch every Dr. Phil episode from last season. Maybe not, hopefully not, but anyway, actually he's okay. But anyway, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things like we literally will look everywhere but Jesus, but to the Lord, but to his word, you know, where we know that we have truth, where we know that he wants to lead us, guide us, that he loves us, he cares for us, he created us, he has a purpose for us, and yet we're looking everywhere else. And so in this passage, what we see is we see this family run away, I'm not trying to be, you know, mean with saying that or anything, uh, but, but in a sense, that's what they did. And that's what Elimelech led his family to do. And so they go to Moab, and what started out as a sojourn, which would have been just a, a short, you know, kind of a trip, you know, turned into, uh, what did it say? 
uh, in uh, verse 2, it says, they went into the country of Moab and remained there. And then after Elimelech dies, it says that, you know, the boys had, of course, gotten the wives, uh, and then they lived there about 10 years. And so instead of, you know, hey, let's, let's camp out, stay where we are, let's turn to the Lord and see what he has for us in the midst of this, they, they took off. And, and to be honest with you, I mean, you know, it's easy for us to get all judgy and be like, oh, I can't believe they did that. They should have seen what Scripture said and, you know, hung around and seen what God had for them. Yeah, it's easy for us to say that. And the truth is, is that we do the same stuff all the time. Things get tough. What do we do? We start, we start wigging out, oh, you know, what am I going to do? How am I going to fix this, you know, kind of thing. Money starts getting tight. We start, we start freaking out, right? I mean, that's, that's what we do. You know, instead of just like, you know, getting on our knees and just say, Lord, I need you to lead me in this. I know you're in charge. I know you're sovereign over all these things. I trust in you for every bit of it. You know, show me, lead me, uh, grant me peace. Give me your peace. May I trust in you for all of it, you know. And so, but here's the problem. And this is really not much different than today. If you go to Judges, which is the book, the, the books right before, uh, you know, Ruth, uh, and, and they're in succession here, okay? Uh, Scripture is not always necessarily that way, but it is definitely in this particular uh, fashion here. And what we have is if you look at the very last verse of Ruth, uh, I'm sorry, of, of, the book of, of one of the books of Judges, what we have right before the book of Ruth, this very last verse, is Judges 21, 25, and it says this. It says, in those days... There was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And this is the state that God's people were in at this moment in time. I mean, it's, it's really a broken record. I mean, you know, how, you know, how many things like floods and stuff, you know, it feels like, you know, need to happen. How many famines, how many, you know, crazy, uh, you know, uh, whatever, you know, are going to have to happen for God's people to just stay focused on him. But the truth is, is that we're, we're as guilty as anybody because, you know, we're like, oh, I love Jesus, so shiny thing, you know, and it's like, you know, I mean, just like all of a sudden we're just like that. I mean, just our attention is gone. Here it's a little more serious than that. The whole of the people at this point in time were everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Doesn't this sound familiar? I mean, this sound this sounds familiar like on so many levels. Like we not not just we as believers, the world, of course, you know, everyone does, you know, what's right in their own eyes. But I mean, I'll be honest with you, even believers in the church are doing this. Because we're, we're picking and choosing oftentimes, and this is a dangerous thing when we start doing this, we're picking and choosing what we want to follow Jesus in. We're like, oh, I'll follow Jesus in this over here, and I'll follow him in this over here, but um, I think I got this figured out my way right here, and then I'm going to follow Jesus with all this over here. And it's like, really? Like, we really think that's going to work for us? We really think that God's going to bless that? Like, I mean, and that, that affects everything. I mean, it affects everything that we do. It affects work. It affects relationships. It reflects, you name it, money. I mean, you name it. 
Every single thing that we do, if we're choosing for a piece of that to be done our way, we're no different. We're no different. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And the problem with that is is that we're basically saying, God, I know you love me. I know you created me. I know you have a plan for me. But I think that I'm better off doing things my way when it comes to this or this in my life. Um, we know better. We know better. And, and all the more reason for us to study Scripture as a whole and try to glean as a whole from Scripture who God is calling us to be, what he's calling us to do. You know, this is... Uh, the, the point here is, you know, what, what God was trying to do with his people was like he just wanted them to repent and turn back. And, I mean, that's so much uh, of our lives, I, I feel like, sometimes. It's like, you know, I'll stray away in some area of my life, and all of a sudden I'm kind of like wake up and go like, why in the world am, am I thinking that? Why in the world am I doing that? You know, and, and I, just, I just come, you know, when my head's screwed on straight and I think about it for a little bit, I'm like, man, I, just, I need to pray. I just need to come back to the Lord with this. We have a reminder. We have a reminder, and I mentioned it last week with Josh and Dusty, and it's that our hope is not here. Our hope is not here. You know? And, and, and I think that we get so caught up, and, and we all do this, we know this, we, we get so caught up with the here and the now, and it's all we can see in the moment, that we're so caught up with it that that's, that's all we can think about. We're not thinking about. So when it comes to things like suffering, you know, it's, it's so tragic to us, we just, we want to shut down, right? You know, but the truth is, is that suffering is temporary. Look at the suffering that they were going through. Think, think about this for your family. A famine, okay? The dad dies. Then both boys die. And now you've got three widows. And, you know, th- this, is, this is bad enough in 2022. That's what year we're in, right? I can't remember. Um, it's bad enough now when, when these things happen. And then when you go back historically and what that meant for this family, because there's so many pieces of puzzles that had to do with inheritance and who got inheritance and the land that they owned, who would receive that land, could they stay on that land? I mean, there's just, there's so many things, you know, and, and suddenly to be these ladies back then without their husbands, you know, all of the, all of the legal stuff was tied to the men. And these ladies were almost just like, you know, well, we, we got nothing. What are we going to do? The suffering that we go through sometimes seems just absolutely unbearable. But again, it's momentary. In fact, Revelation 21.4 says this, and this is talking about in eternity. It says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more, neither shall be there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And that's, that's hard for us to fathom, right? I mean, especially for those of us that have lost people that we've been close to. We've had uh, much of that here recently, even within our, our, our own church. Uh, I've had that in my life. 
Uh, and, and there have been moments where it has just been crippling, you know. And then, I, and then I read this passage, and I'm like, you know, I stake so much in here and now and even in the relationships here and now. And I don't think it's wrong for us to stake a lot in relationships. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I absolutely am a fan of it. And I, can, I know Jesus is because he basically came and said, love God and love people, right? And that that is our mission, that while we're here, that we would love one another, that we would care for one another, minister to one another, be Jesus to one another, all those things. But I think that we just forget that in, in the loss, which is very hard often, uh, we forget that our suffering is momentary. In fact, Jesus goes on in John 16, verse 20, and he says this. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world re will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come, but when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Verse 22, check this out. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. And again, this is Jesus and he's talking about eternity, the afterlife, and reminding us that, that this is temporary, you know? And, and, I mean, gosh, think about some of the scriptures that we have that, you know, are hard, to, hard for us to wrestle with where, you know, uh, entire uh, nations or towns or whatever countries get wiped out in war and some of those kinds of things and men and women and all these things and terrible things happen, you know, and, and for me personally, it's hard for me to get past like the actual suffering that people go through sometimes. But then I read this and I'm reminded it is so momentary that like what, what is worse that God would leave them in a bad situation or that he would just straight call them home. You know, and, and, I, and I think about that all the time. And I think about that with people that I've lost, you know, over the last many years that I'm like, man, I just wish that they were here, but I'm thinking, and, and then at the same time, I'm like, but you know what? They're with the Lord. And how great is that? And for those who have believed in Jesus, they know that God, they know God and, and that this is his promise for all who have been saved. You know, we don't have to wonder about them. And which, you know, brings up the question, are you saved? Have you trusted in Jesus to be your Savior? And what I'm not asking is, are you good at going to church or being a good person? Like, have you trusted in Jesus? Is he your Savior? Not yourself and whether or not you're good, because Scripture reeks all over the place. If it's not about our works, it's about the cross and an empty tomb. It's about the Son of God coming and taking the place of death that we deserve for our sin that we might be saved if we believe in him. Elimelech's mistake was in his suffering, he turned away from God. Instead of turning back to God, we don't want to turn away, we want to turn to him. It helps us to understand where we've been when we know where we are going, doesn't it? You know, and, and the truth is we don't always know where we're going. I, I have plenty of conversations with people who are like, you know what? This is the place I am in in life. This is where I have been. This is where I'm at. I have no idea where I'm going. 
And those, those are frustrating moments, right? And, and a lot of times we, we feel that way. But the truth is, is that because we have the whole of Scripture, we know where we're going. In fact, we don't just know where we're going. We know where Naomi's going, and we know where Orpha's going, and we know where Ruth is going, and we're not going to tell all that today. But it's part of a plan. And it is a reminder for us today that God has a plan. And so in the moments of suffering, like this family is experiencing, that just seems so crushing, how could you keep going? Could you keep going through something like this? Is it possible to keep going through something like this? And the answer is yes. Yes. Look at Josh and Dusty and what they've been through. I mean, praise God for their testimony. Praise God that they are able to share what they have gone through. You think, you think that's easy? You think that's an easy day-to-day for them? Absolutely not. It's hard. It's been hard. It's been really hard at times. Especially, you know, again, I mentioned this last week, but God, God gave Dusty to Josh because she wouldn't take no for an answer. She argued with doctors for days and weeks about medication that he was on that had him just so like medicated up that he couldn't do the things they wanted to see him do for him to be able to go home. And she was like, I think he can do it. He's just too drugged up. I was like, well, then tell him. And so she fought with him about it. And she did. And finally, they listened. And guess what? Then he started doing the stuff he needed to be doing. You know? But for most of us, I've just got to, you know, I think if I'm in that situation, I'd, I think I'd just be a you know, big old balled up mess, wouldn't know what to do, wouldn't do, I'd just nod at the doctors when they come in and come out and be like, all right, good to see you, you know, whatever. I wouldn't know what to do. Suffering is hard. Ask people like Tammy London, who is basically taking care of the rest of her world right now. And she wouldn't want you to know that. She'd probably get mad for me telling it, but I don't care. I mean, that woman loves the Lord, leans in on him, and stays after it, and just keeps going through. London and I were driving yesterday to go pick up some junk, and, and then uh, on the way back, we were near, uh, we were in an area where a friend of mine years ago had started a church, and I started telling her this story. It kind of came out of nowhere, but uh, I said, you're too little to remember, but you know, this friend of mine came to 24 once and shared his story, and around 18 years ago, when we were starting 24, literally at the exact same time, there were five other guys starting churches that I was meeting with once a month, and we were you know, doing this to encourage one another. Um, and so one of them, uh, his name was Ridley, uh, and before I even met him, uh, we were actually going to a cookout that was going to be the first time for us to all meet up together, and at the cookout, we found out that his wife was killed in a car accident. And here all of us are, couples, you know, together, having hamburgers, and, and we're all thinking the same thing. What in the world would this be like for us if this were, if we were in his shoes, you know? And, and I mean, first thing I'm thinking is like, well, there's no way he's going to go on planting the church, which he did, by the way. Um, furthermore, you know, 
not just did his wife get killed in the accident, but one of his children got put in the hospital, 17-month-old Joshua. And um, so Ridley, and this happened, the accident happened out of state. They were coming back, I think, from a vacation with uh, his in-laws, and he wasn't, Ridley wasn't there because uh, he was here kind of getting things ready for the church and whatnot. And uh, he gets a phone call while he's at the funeral home trying to plan the service for his wife's funeral. And they said, you need to come to the hospital right now. Well, he's back up at a funeral home here, and there again in another state at the hospital, uh, the child was. And they said, you need to come now. And he's like, look, I'm in the middle of planning the funeral for my wife. Is this really that big a deal? You know, and so long story short, they're like, yeah, you got to come. He gets there, and the doctor pulls him aside and says, look, um, the wrong dosage was given to your child of medication, and it is too late. There's nothing we can do. And Ridley looked at him and said, what are you saying to me? He said, your child is going to die. He said, you see that nurse over there? He said, yeah. He said, that nurse right now has her hand in your child's chest, pumping his heart to keep him alive so that he could see you and you could see him before he passes. Suffering is hard. It's easy to say that, oh, it won't get me. It'll get you at some point. Here's what I told London, though. She said, did he go on to plant the church? I said, yeah. I said, as a matter of fact, I think that that church is the only other church other than 24 out of the six of us that's still going. And I said, here's what's happened in the aftermath of that. In the aftermath of that, he's gone on to teach, lead people to Jesus. Uh, later in life, got remarried, you know, has kind of a Brady Bunch family with, another, with this other lady who also lost her husband. Uh, and God has given Ridley the ability to go and share the story of what God did in their lives. And that's the way he would put it, what God did in their lives, this awful tragedy, to not just churches, but hospitals and doctors and nurses, hospital insurance companies, comp insurance companies that, that cover hospitals, actually will pay him to come in and share his story of what it's like to be on the other side of losing someone because of a mistake being made in the hospital, by the pharmacist, whatever, whatever it is, you know. And... Uh, and I said, here's the best part. Ridley will gladly go and share the story, but he has a caveat, and it is, I have to share the whole thing, and the whole thing includes Jesus, and it includes the gospel, because he goes in and he talks about forgiveness and grace and why he's able to forgive and why he's able to share grace and give grace is because he has received forgiveness and grace from Jesus.
And so he has told literally, I think at this point, probably hundreds of thousands of people about Jesus, not in churches, right? The gospel. How amazing is that? Now, if Ridley was here, uh, you know, we may have him back again one day. If Ridley was here and I said, Ridley, would, you know, are you glad that that happened? He'd go, no. <laughs> you know, I'm not glad that happened. I loved my wife. I loved my son. You know, he's like, but the Lord has used that to do great things for his kingdom. And I know where they are. They are with the Lord. And again, our mindset is they're not here. This really stinks. We can't get past that. But the truth is, is that this is temporary. Our hope is not here. And the truth is that for all of us, suffering is a part of life. It's all over Scripture. It's all over Scripture. It's not, it's not hidden. Now, you know, if you go to some churches, it's all about, you know, you know your best life now and all this kind of stuff, and that's, that's all you're going to hear. But look, the truth is, is that we're going to suffer at times. And what, how, does, how, does the Lord, how does the Lord help us through those moments, and how can he use them for his kingdom? And a statement that I like to use from time to time is, you know, I think that we're really called to not waste our suffering, but allow God to use it in our lives for his glory. For his glory. What did it say in the passage that, out of judges that the people were doing? Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. How about we do what's right in God's eyes? Not, not from a legalistic standpoint. Not from a checking off the boxes. Forget that junk. Because we love Jesus. Because of who he is. Because of what he's done for us. Remember I said that it helps to know where we're going, and that that helps us through the moment here too. Well, the last verse of Ruth, I'm going to give it to you today, and it's kind of, a, kind of a spoiler alert, but I think it's important for us as we study through Ruth. And the last verse of Ruth is chapter 4, verse 22, and it's a genealogy. You're like, oh, great, genealogies. Not good with genealogies. I understand. I'm not even good with my own family tree, okay? But in, ver in uh, Ruth 4.22, it says this. It says, Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. Now, I'll give you this. The genealogy is from this family. And it ends with Obed fathered Jesse, Jesse fathered David, and that David is King David. And we just studied on King David not that long ago. But if you remember, King David leads down his genealogy to one person in particular that's very important to our faith. Spoiler alert, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. God takes messes, suffering, and all kinds of things that we go through, and he will use them for his kingdom. I don't know what you're going through right now. Maybe, maybe life is great for you right now. I can tell you, life's hard on some people right now. But whatever it is, God has a plan. Trust him in it.
see it through. Instead of running away, lean into him. Lean into his word. Lean into people that you know love you, like Jesus. Lean into those people. Where we are going is simple. You know what that is? That's our calling. What is our calling? Love God. Love people. Our purpose is his glory. Our purpose while we're here is to make him known. That other people would know Jesus because they know us. God has a plan. Don't run from it. Run to it. Don't be a runaway. Let's pray. God, we thank you for how you can take the greatest messes of this world and do amazing things in the midst of them. God, it is painful at times, and you know it. Lord, you allowed your son to take on the greatest pains of the world on our behalf that we might be saved. God, I pray that we would be reminded of that today. Lord, as we lean into your calling on us, Lord, to trust in you through things like suffering. God, I pray as we study through the story of Naomi and Ruth and the others to come, God, I pray that you would just open our hearts to help us to see who you are, who you are, who you've called us to be. God, help us, Lord, to trust in you for all those things. Lord, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. God, for anyone that's in here right now, Lord, that is listening online right now, Lord, that has never trusted in you to be their Savior, God, I pray that today would be the day that they would believe. Speak to their hearts in a way that only you can. God, I just pray that you would do that work in them, Lord. Bring them to you. Draw them near to you. Help them to see there's something more, God, that they could have a relationship with you. That you could change their lives. That you could give them not new, not just new life in the afterlife, but new life right now. God, save them today. God, I ask that you would do this work. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray all this today. Amen. Amen.